change is the only constant in every aspect of our lives, be it how we work, how we live, how we learn. It forces us to make the right decisions without the choice of looking back at history and conventions to know what's right. I am Vikram Baskaran, and this is Chargebee's Champions of Change podcast, where we talk to changemakers who've walked before us, built businesses on first principles, and unearth their tips and tricks to identify change and turn that into opportunity. Remember, you're just one decision away from being a change maker. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking on building an organization with customer success reps. Now, today we have with us Hayley Lasker, the VP of Customer Success, Americas, and Binder. She's a data-driven person and leads the team's US-based onboarding and customer success teams. Throughout the years, she's been the spokesperson for humanizing customer experiences and has set benchmarks for efficient customer engagement and curbing retention in companies that she's worked for. Her strategic vision and her wide array of experiences equip her with the knowledge of all life cycles of a, com- uh, of a company from inception through exit. And I'm super glad to have Haley with us today. So thank you for joining us, Haley. Yeah, thanks, Vikram. It's really, uh, really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So just I, I want to get started with some interesting trends in customer success, especially through 2020, 2021. What's worked this year uh, that you think you know, you'd place your bets on to continue? And what more can companies do to address new customer needs today? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think the pandemic really made us all rethink and reimagine so many aspects of our businesses and lives. Obviously, there was an accelerated pivot to remote work. The increase of digital experiences and, you know, always being online, really digital first mentality. And all this, I think, really changed and raised the bar on so many things. So customer expectations of their experiences and companies were really challenged to build the same kind of trust with customers, but in a very different kind of world. And I think we saw more empathy and humanity than ever before because of it. So, you know, I know for us at Binder, we we really led with a strong understanding of the ways our customers were impacted by the pandemic. And our ability to put ourselves in their shoes was a major driver for building trust and stronger relationships. You know, I think also working from home, it's a different kind of uh, way of seeing a colleague or partner or customer than ever before. I think we've all probably seen pets and children and maybe hear the doorbell ring and inevitably it kind of humanizes the people that, that you know, we've, we've never seen it in this kind of way before. So all of that is true of, of what's happened, you know, because of the pandemic and in 2020. And I think to best address new customer needs, companies first need to understand how the needs of the customers have changed and will continue to change. Know that they have higher expectations for their experience. So customer experience is more important than ever before. And looking at things like the expectation of more personalization, feeling valued and genuinely heard. And I think companies are challenged to answer this call authentically and with a lot of transparency. So I'd say that the personal relationship, you know, whether it's white glove service or figuring out how to deliver a personalized experience at scale will be critical for companies to be successful. And then I think that the piece about humanity and empathy will continue to be really important to to build those kind of deeper personal relationships with with your customers. Brilliant. Now, before we go in deeper into this, uh, I think I should have started with this because customer success is a relatively new department, you know, compared to most other departments in an organization. And it's like, what really is it? Like, is it, is it sales? Is it, is it support? 
what really is customer success? What does it do? Yeah, I mean, I think when I think of customer success, it's really the the four key pillars of adoption, retention, expansion, and advocacy. So all of those things are not disconnected. They're not separate things. I think all of them really feed into the others, you know, and if you do them well, it will result in in customer advocates, which is really the holy grail. Um, if you have customers who will tell your story, then you've made it and and you've really, you know, fostered a real great customer success uh, team at your organization. Excellent. Now, there's these two you know, we say pillars, but almost it, it intuitively sounds like they are opposite ends of the spectrum where one one aspect of customer success is about expansion and revenue. Right? And then there's the other aspect of customer experience and putting the customer, being the voice of the customer internally. So let's take the second part first with respect to customer experience. A lot of us have been hearing a lot about customer experience, but what is customer success's role in delivering a customer experience? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a really good question. Customer success, I would say customer experience is part of the customer success team. Customer success managers are at the forefront and they really are the, the voice of the customer and the liaison to the internal teams to make sure that, uh, you know, they're really curious about their, what the customers want and that they're being heard. But the customer experience has become something a little bit that, I think supports customer success in a way. Um, I think that as the number of channels to communicate have grown, the number of teams internally at your organizations that want to communicate to customers have grown with all of that in supplement to or in complement to what the customer success managers are doing, you have a real risk of there being a lot of noise to customers. So to me, customer experience is just making sure that you know, between every touch point to every customer at every point in the life cycle, they're feeling this really connected, unified and kind of seamless experience. Um, and that is, you know, the customer customer success managers really are an input to that, but it's it's bigger than that. And I think it's it's a kind of all hands on deck effort to make sure that uh, that you deliver a great and unified customer experience. Amazing. I love uh, when you talk about, you know, how customer success needs to be extending into every touch point. And that gets kind of complicated, especially when you, when you, when you, you know, when you're navigating through the scale up phase and the organization's growing in different directions because there's suddenly so many other teams involved. So when bringing all of these different teams together, how do you, how do you go about it? Especially, you know, especially when the organization might not be quite primed to that, the customer success kind of way of thinking? How do you go about building that culture? Yeah, that's a really good question and and something that we've been really looking at a lot at at Binder. So uh, like I'd mentioned, it's the growth of the communication channels and the number of teams, you know, to your point too, that um, have important messages to reach your customers that can be a risk of this disconnected, you know, communication or, you know, risk of a lot of noise. So to me, I think it's just, Simply the awareness that this is a challenge is the first step. Once you are aware of it, I think it's, you know, really having uh, dedicated resources to customer experience, somebody who can pull together the different stakeholders across the organization that will be tasked with making sure that this is an engaging and seamless experience. And, you know, if you're just getting started with this, the first step, I think, is to understand what's currently in place. And so 
you know, as soon as you acknowledge that there's this challenge, right, the, the one that you just mentioned so many organizations are going through, you know, and you put somebody on on the task and, uh, you know, that first is taking inventory or an audit of all the touch points across all the channels at every stage of the customer journey uh, to make sure you understand what your customers are currently experiencing. You want to map the customer journey and life cycle by segment because obviously not every customer is the same. And so you want to make sure that you understand the segments you have in your customer base because their journeys will be you know, slightly different, or, you know, maybe the, the larger, the smaller customers will, you know, have a, a scalable version of what the uh, largest customers have as white glove and one-to-one. You can do an exercise like empathy mapping. So you can understand what different key stakeholders at your customer organizations might be thinking, feeling, doing, or saying, and then that helps you build out the personas uh, within your customer base at each customer organization to figure out who gets what kind of outreach. And I think, you know, beyond that, it's using data. So looking at, you know, what data do you have access to? How are you using it? And how can you use it to make sure that as your customer experience evolves, that you're ensuring this integrated experience across channels? So like, if somebody goes to a webinar, what do they do next? Do they ask for a demo of of a product that came up in the webinar? You know, and I think uh, also just making sure you have a great way to, to manage internal collaboration, all of those things are, are pretty critical to making sure you have a well-orchestrated and unified customer experience. I, you know, when, when we talk about customer experience, especially like one thing that keeps coming up in, 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 your, in your points is communication. It's about, all right, so how do you best utilize all of these different channels? How do you utilize your data to communicate the right way to the customer? And with you know with with things scaling so fast there's like everybody has an opinion in terms of how you want to talk to your customers how do you how do you ensure that there's a unified voice when with all of these different departments all of these different channels so that the customer could, continues to get one version of your story yeah it's a good question i think a lot of what i just mentioned is sort of the the first steps you should take as you understand that there's a this challenge of of that you could potentially be, you know, risking the customer experience with a lot of noise. A lot of those things are are really, you know, applicable to this question. Um, I think it's really just having uh, a kind of central owner in the organization that pulls in, you know, and and helps foster internal collaboration and manages cross-functional stakeholders and that everybody's aligned, right? So without that, you you won't have this central experience. Now I think it's you know, do you have somebody who's, you know, who's helping with with voice and, and that kind of thing that sits within customer experience? Do you come up with, you know, sort of guidelines or standards of what should be, uh, what kinds of communication and, and how they should be written, you know, based on if it's an in-app message or something that comes as an automated email from your customer success tool or an email from customer marketing or product marketing? I think there's a number of ways that you can kind of a- approach that. But Regardless of what you do, I think it really comes back to having that ownership of the experience that that sits kind of center to the the cross functional stakeholders. Beautiful. Now I just want to move over to the second part of the of that of that weird imbalance pillar that we were talking about the revenue part. Particularly, customer success is also the guardian of customers, which means one of the metrics that you end up worrying about is churn making sure that churn stays as low as possible. 
So how do like are there are there specific things that you've tried or you've implemented to ensure that you're able to build a lasting customer relationship with Minder? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, the customer relationships are very important, and I'll touch on that for sure. But I think equally as important as the relationship that the the point person or the teams interacting with customers have is building a culture of customer success where everyone even the people who don't face customers and maybe especially the people who don't face customers understand the important roles that they play in customer satisfaction and retention. Um, so that's a little bit broader than, you know, the, the relationship in the, you know, the, the direct relationship with the customers, but, but super important. So worth mentioning, but yeah, of course, customer relationships are critical. I think leaning into empathy and and trying to put yourself in your customer's shoes and also recognizing that there are different personas at your customers and different things um, that will be important to them. Asking for feedback is is really important. Customers want to know that they have a seat at the table. So you want to be curious, but it's more, it's about more than than asking for the feedback. It's about using it too. So you can't have one without the other or you'll lose credibility and trust. So really, really, you know, tight feedback loop, voice of the customer and making sure that you do something with their feedback. And even if, if it's that you intake it and the answer is you're not going to do something with it, that you close the loop. So that's really important. I think building trust by being the experts. Um, this is really great value to your customers. It will really help build a deeper relationship. So they look at you and you have repetition. Your team has done this with hundreds or thousands of customers, and it's all they do every day. So sharing best practices and being consultative based on their specific use case is really important. And then sort of beyond that is, you know, the I think some of the more common things that, that you know, most customer success orgs do is, you know, looking at data to look at indicators of, of risk and making sure that you're getting way ahead of those kinds of things. Um, and I think that the foundation, the relationship that you have with the, your customers and the trust that you've built with them are the foundation for how you can actually be successful in addressing that type of risk. Lovely. There were like so many nuggets there in terms of being consultative, looking into the data, getting ahead of risks, looking at the monitors of uh, you know your, your risks and the red, red flag areas, constantly investing in trust. But one thing that I particularly loved was about creating this culture of empathy for uh, from non-customer facing roles. I think that's really critical, right? So at Chashmi, we've tried to do stuff like uh, running voice of customer sessions where the roles that don't directly stand in front of the customers still get a feel of you know what the customer is going through. Are there any specific tactics that you've tried or you know you've thought of that you could recommend for our audience today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've done similar things at Binder, you know, where you you know are sharing case studies or or you're you know flashing logos on a you know across a TV screen where the developers sit or, or you know things like that. But you know, it's there's a whole kind of way, and I don't know if you want me to kind of go into how I approach. You know, we approach uh, building a culture of customer success, or more more sort of like things that we've tried to to reach to you know people who who may or may not or may not or probably don't touch customers because the the first one's a pretty long answer and something I'm very passionate about. The second is probably a little bit shorter. Oh, let's go with the first. We have our audience trapped in, and they've they've listened to us for about ten minutes already, so that's good. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll I'll try to. I realize I know my answers are kind of long. I have a lot to say about the things that you're asking me. So, um, you know, I'll uh, maybe I can kind of give it in, in pieces and then and maybe pause a little bit. But you know, I am very very passionate about 
this idea that building a culture of customer success is is critical. Um, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And, you know, I think one of the things that it's important to acknowledge is that it's easy to say you have a culture of customer success, right? But building it and maintaining it is completely different and doing it in an authentic way, super, super challenging. And so the the first area that we focus on is these four key pillars of empathy, context, feedback, and transparency. Empathy, you know, putting yourself in the customer's shoes, context being the why do we do what we do. Feedback is really that kind of being curious, listening, responding, and adjusting. And transparency, what happens to their feedback? You know, like I'd mentioned earlier, closing the loop, even if it's a no, customers would rather hear clearly no. Uh, Things like roadmap sessions for clear transparency into, you know, what is happening with the product and what the vision of the future of the product is. So those are, that's one part is these four key pillars and really trying to emphasize those across the organization. The second part is breaking down silos between teams. The first one being between the broader team and executive leadership. You really need to get buy-in from executive leadership that they agree with you and support this approach. I meet frequently with our CEO and I report to our CEO, COO and, and meet with him you know, all the time. And I know that they buy into this. They buy into how important it is that everyone in the organization, whether they touch customers or not, and again, especially if they don't touch customers, that they, you know, that we build a culture where they have an understanding of, you know, the impact that they have on our customer base. And I think, you know, with that said, uh, you know, that's probably why at Binder we work on this OKR or objectives and key results uh, model, which, you know, if you're not familiar or anyone listening isn't, it's a, it's a really a collaborative approach to setting goals that helps ensure that there's alignment across teams in the organization, and that every individual understands how they contribute to company goals. So, you know, really that you start with these organization-wide goals, then you go to uh, team, you know, how does a team, each team tie in, each functional area tie in. And then once you like, you know, so I take uh, the customer success measurements, and then we break them out into regions, and then back, and then all the way down to the individual contributor, so that they really understand their impact. And I think that's an easy one to do um, for customer-facing teams. Oftentimes, we're really um, you know, tied directly to have a direct impact on KPIs, like financial KPIs. But when you think about something like a developer, for example, like fixing bugs isn't the most glamorous thing that they're going to do. But if they understand why that context, why they're doing it, if they have the understanding, the empathy for why it impacts a customer... And if they have a, a objective and key result that they're tied to for fixing bugs, like they're, they, they start to understand the, the reason why that's important, if that makes sense. So I know that was uh, super long and I said I was going to pause and then I didn't because I get really excited about it. But there you go. That's, uh, that's kind of what, uh, you know, what I think is important. Yeah, I love it. I love it, though. I think, you know, there were a lot of ifs, you know, every time we talk about these subjects, there's always a lot of ifs, if everybody gets the context, if everybody were. But truly, that's the ideal state that I believe we as organizations should be moving towards, where we're able to get pretty much everybody. There's, there's of course, probably going to be 10, 15% of the organization that's directly in the face of the customer. But 
there's also everybody else's responsibility in that they're actually building the products that the other 10 or 15% end up selling or solving for, right? So Yeah, and it's, you know, I think there's, you know, in some cases, you know, not so much in the last year, well, maybe even more so in last year, but in some cases there's off, like companies will have offices that have no customer facing people in them. And that's like really the physical representation, like the geographical, you know, challenge of, what it's like to connect the dots. You know, if you have a developer in an office who's coding uh, in the corner of an office that has no one, you know, customer facing, you know, it's really, you're really tasked with giving them everything they need to understand why they're doing what they do and why they should care about what they're doing with it, you know, why, why they should care about what they're doing, which is challenging, but it's the kind of thing where if you invest in it, it's a, it's a bet that will pay off because having that shared understanding and alignment will make you a better company for sure. Like no question. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I want to again roll over to probably one question that I've been avoiding for quite some time. Yeah. Um, the sales side of success, right? So there's the clear sales side, there's a revenue side of customer success. And it's at least a little more straightforward in sales in that you can sound salesy. You are like everybody knows you're trying to make a sale in success. You can't you, you you can't optimize too much in that side without sounding pushy or salesy, and that loses the trust, the relationship with the customer. So, how do you how do you approach the sales side of your job? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that two things are true in this. One is that if you're driving adoption, you're going to drive expansion and growth in your customer base, right? The CSM's like core job and the one that and allows them to build trust is making sure that the customer is getting the full value from a solution that they bought, that they're, you know, having a good adoption at their organization, that there's a lot of engagement. And even though it may not be immediate, that's the kind of foundation that you build to eventually see growth within that customer. So driving adoption is a non-pushy, very good way to um, to, to drive growth. Um, the second piece is I think that if you're consultative, if you take a very consultative approach to the customer and really specific to their best practices, some of these opportunities will just come out on their own. So, you know, there's a, there's this place that we have as customer success managers that is having an understanding of what's going on in the marketplace. What are other customers doing? And even just having that knowledge across your customer base and being able to share it and ask if it resonates with them is a lead driver, right? Like it's something that is, oh yeah, that resonates with you. Oh, actually, did you know that we have something that does this? So I do think that that's, you know, there's a way it's like a softer sell to, to pull some of those opportunities out. Um, and that's the truth. That's how we do it at, at Binder. And yeah, so I think that there it's definitely possible. And then the other thing is like, there's, uh, I heard recently that, you know, uh, companies that have, you know, both, you know, you can have your, your obviously having a broader set of offerings is going to set you up for the ability to drive more growth in the customer base. But there's both full featured products and then there's add ons like support. And I heard recently that somewhere a statistic that companies who sell more add ons drive a increased and higher customer lifetime value. So that's also something that's, you know, it's like maybe that's an easier kind of incremental way to sell. But in the end, it's more like a stickiness factor 
and a long, longer term kind of uh, partnership driver. That's actually very interesting. That's, that's a very interesting statistic. I didn't know about that. Um, earlier, you were talking about getting ahead of risks, so data and, and looking at the, the risk points. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing in, in the customer success context, we're talking about some kinds of health scores and you know indicators to know when a customer is moving into the red. What kind of uh, what kind of metrics or data points do you look for here? Is there some kind of model that you've built at Binder, or how, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, there's you know a number of different ways that you can build these, um, and so it starts with a matter of understanding what data you currently have access to, and then deciding what's lead, uh, a leading indico- indicator of customer risk or customer health. At Binder, we have a good mix of data driven automated scores, but also manual and subjective scores based on the experience of uh, of our customer-facing teams. So we have things like readiness risk, like how did their implementation go? Everybody knows what happens in the first couple months of a, a customer relationship is definitely an indicator of their health and their lifetime with the with you as, a, as your customer. We look at onboarding uh, CSAT, usage data, net promoter score, support tickets, bug tickets, product requests that have been answered or not, really like kind of runs the gamut. Um, but again, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's identifying it, it's implementing it, it's kind of matching it with what the customer success subjective health score is and seeing how well your kind of automated health scores are, are really capturing that risk. I love that. That's almost like a 360 degree holistic. All right. So let's all of the customer touch point metrics, let's bring them together. And yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's a, an amazing way um, to construct customer health scores. Yeah. It's, it's not, e- I mean, it's, it's not easy, right? It's, it's definitely a lot of trial and error and iteration to get to it and, and nothing about it is perfect. But I think the big thing there is just starting with something. And so I'm glad to know that I'm glad that today there are tools that help you uh, automate this uh, because when I started my career, I was using spreadsheets and highlighting cells with red, green, and yellow. Um, and so uh, glad to know that the the technology has evolved to support these kinds of uh, health score tracking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me let me just uh, come down to uh, the last question uh, of of our session today. Uh, and I've been waiting to again ask you this question for, for I think ever since this this podcast started. When and why should a scale up start investing in customer success? When is it? When is it too early, or when is the right time? I mean, I don't think it's ever too early. I mean, you, you the customer success team is is the, is the liaison to your customer base, so the the team that knows what's going on. They they know, you know. They have the, the the direct line to the customers, and it's got to be a dedicated resource because it's a different motion than any other function in the company. You know, it's um, I think it's like who's paying attention to the usage. Which if you sell a customer and then you step away and then you come back when it's time to renew them, you know, like what's you know you're you're losing a great opportunity. It's it's the the leaky bucket bucket analogy that we all know so you know so well which is if you are not safeguarding your current customer base and then and you're losing customers as fast as you're gaining them you will not grow um, and so investing in a customer success team early is shoring up your customer base as a foundation that you can can grow upon and without that 
you know, as soon as possible, you're really, really missing, missing the boat and, um, and really putting your, your company's growth at risk. I love that response. Uh, yeah, we keep, we keep internally saying, uh, you know, whenever, whenever, uh, we started a customer success department, we should have started yesterday, right? It's always a, we should have started yesterday. Yeah, I agree with that. I've, I spent my career really being the first person um, on, a, on, a, on a customer-facing team. I started my career before there was uh, customer success or SaaS, but I was always in customer-facing roles in, in technology companies. And you know, I remember being, I remember doing a consulting project with a startup in MarTech. And, you know, they didn't have a dedicated customer success function and they wanted me to come in and audit all the ways in which they were dealing with their customer base. And at the end of it, I said, yeah, all of this is true. But my number one recommendation is, is that you hire someone like dedicated for this because without it, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to do all these things. This is not part of somebody else's job. And it wasn't my intention to to get an offer for a job out of it, but it did that, that is actually what happened. But my intention was was genuinely that, you know, this is something that's needed. Doesn't matter. This was a very small company at the time. And it was just like, this is not part of product's job. This is not part of sales job. Like they're not gonna focus on the same things. And this is this is where you can have sort of an unbiased view with direct measurements that are CS specific, and it's just something that is like it it, it amazes me to think that there are, are organizations that wouldn't see and understand the, the value of this from an early early stage. Absolutely, absolutely. So that brings us to the close of our session. I think it's been insanely insightful and I've had, it's been an absolute pleasure and a phenomenal learning experience these last 20 minutes talking to you, Haley. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, those are, were great questions. I feel like uh, it always uh, gives me an opportunity to get me thinking when, uh, you know, when questions like that come up and, you know, really um, grateful that I was able to, to share my insights with you today. Mm-hmm.